What's going on, everybody, and welcome to Tables, Ladders, and Chairs, the podcast. I'm your host, Brian Chairs, and on today's episode, I'm joined by AJ Martelli. AJ is a lifelong wrestling fan and a journalist. He covers the news, sports, weather, and of course, professional wrestling. AJ sits down with me to talk all things happening in the world of professional wrestling today. Plus, we've got a top 10 list, some rapid fire and listener questions, and you're not going to want to miss any of his incredible impressions. Oh yeah, it's time. This is Tables, Ladders, and Chairs, the podcast. Alright guys, it's another Friday and this is another episode of Tables, Ladders, and Chairs, the podcast. Joining me right now is one of my good friends, one of the funniest people I know, he is a journalist. He is a wrestling fan. We've been to countless wrestling events together, baseball games. We've watched pay-per-views together. It, every time I'm with this guy, it's just all about fun. Guys, with me right now, AJ Martelli. AJ, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, Brian. This is so cool to... I mean, I've done like interviews before, obviously, but never like not never, but you know, it's not often that I'm part of like, I'm being, I'm the one being interviewed. I'm usually on the other side of it. And this is just a lot of fun. And definitely. Great. Definitely. Well, thank you for being here. And you're right. You are usually on the other side of this, uh, doing the interviewing and never the interviewer, but, uh, today that's different. And, uh, you got a great story and we're going to get into it now. Um, I just want to start off how I start off all my episodes talking to people is, uh, how did your wrestling fandom start? Yeah, so this is a pretty funny story. Um, I'll, it started, believe it or not, with a trip to Sesame Place in oh my the God. summer of 1996. So my cousin Joe, as you know, he was always a fan, but I was never really into it. But uh, my other cousin, also named Joe on the other side of the family, um, he invited me to, uh, on a, they, he and his family were going to Sesame Place and he's, you know, they invited me to go. So a couple days before we left for Sesame Place, uh, I stayed at his house and he had, he was just a burgeoning wrestling fan. He was just starting to get into it. And he had a bunch of Coliseum home videos. He had a bunch of magazines. I remember specifically uh, we watched the Iron Man match uh, with Sean and, and Brett. And I remember, um, uh, so WrestleMania 12 was obviously one of the, the uh, Coliseum videos we had. And I remember yep. he had, um, I guess it must have been SummerSlam 1995, I think. Was that the year Sean and Razor wrestled in the second ladder match? Yep, yep, SummerSlam yeah, 95. So I remember we had that one too. So we were, you know, he's telling me about all these these characters, you know. He's like, oh, the Undertaker and, he, and Shawn Michaels was the man and Bret Hart and gold dust and like i was just like fascinated by all this i'm like this is this is a wild absolutely you know? and then I, you know we went to sesame place and like he's showing me all the wrestling moves he's like the undertaker does this move it's a tombstone and you know it was just i came back from that trip and it was like it's almost like you know the wizard of oz like i was living yep. in black and white and then like he showed me like the the you know life in color life in wrestling you know walking into that you know and that's kind of where my fandom began i kind of just became uh, enamored with it after that that's and awesome then it wasn't uh you know a few months later my the first pay-per-view i ever watched live was uh, survivor series 1996 
which and that like my dad taped that for me and i remember i watched that show back like probably a hundred times and it's still probably my favorite pay-per-view because it was the first one i ever watched live and so many like cool things happened at that pay-per-view like the undertaker came down like with the bat wings yep. and, you know brett and and austin had an amazing match i kind of i think put austin on the map really absolutely and, and I, uh, some would say that it was better than their wrestlemania 13 match yeah maybe some some could argue that yeah and you know the, it was such a great show and then you know the, the sad part was it ends with sean losing the title <laughs> and he was like he was the guy everybody was saying like if you're getting into wrestling this is the guy you need to be rooting for right yep. now sean michaels i was gonna ask you that i was gonna say i started watching a little before that my first pay-per-view was wrestlemania 12 and uh like you said about survivor series that it's still your favorite pay-per-view i feel that way about wrestlemania 12 like was it the best pay-per-view ever? No, it really was like a one match card, but like the sentimental value is there for me. So like, I'll always say like, that's my favorite show, but you started watching really survivor series. 96 was your first show. And that, like you said, Sean lost the title there and he was like on his way. I mean, he did win it uh, about a month or two later at the Royal rumble, but were you a Sean guy from the beginning? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, um, you know, like I said, when I was getting into, in, into wrestling, you know, Shawn Michaels was the man I was told actually by my cousin when we were, you know, on our way to Sesame place, like Shawn Michaels is the man, like you got to see him like go. And that was, uh, you know, I, by kind of by default, I was like a Shawn Michaels fan. It was like, well, if he's the man and he's the guy everybody's saying, I got to be a fan of, and I'm just getting into this, then yeah, I'm a Shawn Michaels fan. Sure. Why not? <laughs> Absolutely. And, then, and then just watching him too. I mean, you watch him perform over the years, you know, just kind of analyzing him and his style. It's, it's unbelievable what he's done. I mean, like he's just, you know, I remember when we went to that show in uh, 2009 and we were sitting front row and it was just like, Shawn Michaels was right up, yep. you know, right up, you know, close to us. And then we actually got to meet him. Well, I think you met him once before, we all met him that one time yep, yep. Uh, when he was doing the autograph signing here in Poughkeepsie. Um, but it was just awesome to, to meet him. You know, like they, they say like, you know, you can't meet your heroes, but we got to meet him and it was such a great experience. So it's funny. Like I, I, one day, maybe I'll do an episode about all the wrestlers I've met, but like, like you said, they say, you know, don't meet your heroes and stuff, but I can't really recall a time I've met a wrestler and it was like a bad experience. Um, I, I read that a lot online. Like it says like, Oh, you know, I, I met this person or that person and they were, they were a jerk or whatever, but like, I don't recall ever having that experience. And I've met a lot of wrestlers. Like, have you yeah. ever had a bad experience meeting any of them? Um, not really a terrible experience. I'll say we went to an autograph signing in 2006 and Batista and uh, Molina were there and Batista, you could just tell he didn't really want to be there. But I remember, I mean, I didn't read his book, but you know, um, I know people who did. And in his book, he mentioned that particular autograph signing and he was saying, oh, really? he was, and he was really burned out. It was right before survivor series that year. And he had been like going all over the, the, uh, the country, I guess. Like he was, he had a really like hard travel schedule that week. Okay. And he said that like, he was at that signing and he was really burned out, but even that, you know, like he still shook my hand. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he still didn't, you know, it wasn't, you know, a terrible experience. Yeah. I, I've never met Batista. I've, I've always wanted to though, because like, especially nowadays, like to see the big star that he turned into after wrestling, like it'd be great to meet him. But, uh, Oh yeah. I mean, he's done some great things like his in him and guardians of the galaxy. Like he's incredible in those, in those, you movies. know, I just saw he's... that movie for the first time ever about a month ago, maybe. 
Oh, really? I've never seen it until a month ago, and I, I liked it. Yeah, it was it was good. I like the second one a little better than the first one. Haven't seen that one yet, but it's on the no, list. That one was fun, yeah. <laughs> so, so talking about back in when you started watching and everything like that, you've always reminded me, and it's your sense of humor, but if there was one wrestler that I would say you reminded me of, it would be Owen Hart. Because <laughs> you always hear the stories about Owen playing ribs on everybody, and ribs are meant to be funny, and when me and you were together, I am just constantly laughing, and it's all thanks to your great impressions. <laughs> Where did, how, like, how did you know that you were able to do these different voices? Like, did you do it as a kid, or was it just something you started to do, like, as an yeah. adult? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, just as a kid, you know, I had a, I had a really good friend, and I'm still, you know, he's one of my best friends. He, like, in in grade school, would always try and do like these voices. If we were like reading out of a textbook in like grade school he'd always do like a funny voice like trying to trying to make his voice like what the character in the book would be and I always thought that was funny so I, I just tried to do my own voices and they wound up you know one day you know like I remember when I started getting the action figures with the you know the Jacks figures came out in 1996 and that was another thing like getting into wrestling in 1996 you know Christmas of 1996 and then 1997 and 98 all the subsequent Christmases were all wrestling figures oh, you know, absolutely. I got you know I remember I got the the big Jack's um, uh, monster ring in 1996 with a whole bunch of wrestlers and then you know I'd just be playing and then you know I'd want to do the introduction so I'd be like the following contest is scheduled for one fall and it is for the World Wrestling Federation Championship and I tried to do Howard Finkel <laughs> you know like that and you know, I try to just do the voices of the wrestlers while I was playing, you know, I try and do like, you know, Bret Hart, you know, I'd be like in the, you know, I'd have my Bret Hart figure and I'd be doing my, you know, the fact of the matter is, you know, I'm the best there is, the best there was and the best there ever will be. And you know it, you know, I try and do all these. That's fantastic. <laughs> just try and do the impressions. And like, that's just that, that I guess where is where it was born out of, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. I, would that be about the same time that you broke out your most famous impression uh, when you're sitting there playing with, you know, your Sean figure and your Brett figure and you got them, they need somebody to commentate the match. <laughs> and I've heard this voice, even whenever I just see this guy on AEW TV today, I don't really hear his voice, but I hear your voice impersonating him. And let's hear it a little bit. We're welcome you live to Monday Night Raw. Jim Ross here alongside Jerry, the King Lawler. King, we got an amazing broadcast for you tonight. And yeah, I mean, Jim Ross, it was so... Uh, oh, yeah, it gets I mean, me every right. time. And that's the thing too. I would try and commentate the matches while I was playing with the action figures and try and do my best Jim Ross impression while, it, you know, so I'd be, I'd have the rock. Oh, he's going to hit the rock bottom. He's going to hit the rock bottom. <laughs> you know, like that, you know, that, that's kind of where it was born out of too yeah absolutely and it, it gets me every time I, I love it i love it so that was then now you're not really playing with wrestling figures anymore maybe you are but i i don't think you are not collecting them as much as i can i mean okay. I, I'm, I'm not on the level that you're at i need to get the glass cases for them but okay okay yeah i don't play with them though so like no i mean either they're, they're <laughs> you know specifically just put off to the side for for show absolutely that's why it's hard when my nephew comes over because they just you know or my niece because they just want to play with with the toys and i'm like absolutely. No, they're just for show guys don't that's why i don't have kids i don't want them touching my stuff <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that was then this is now you're a journalist now you cover 
really like important stuff like the news you know sports all this other stuff like stuff that's much more important than wrestling but you've covered wrestling before right um yeah a little bit i mean i i've tried to go out you know for for um for wrestling jobs you know before i started working at the poughkeepsie journal i remember um pro wrestling illustrated had a had an open or had a vacancy had a job open and i tried i tried my hand there and i remember the um editor uh Stu Sachs got back to me and he was like oh your writing is really good you know uh, nothing really ever came of it um because uh he actually said he's like your writing is really really good but it's more of a newspaper style than a magazine style okay um but uh just hearing the the, the editor of pro wrestling illustrated uh say that you know like about my writing was you know just a feather in my cap and you know, just something, get a little bit of a confidence, you know, booster, just being right out of college, looking for a job, you know, and um, yeah, I mean, like, uh, I've covered, um, I mean, I've covered a lot of high school wrestling, and usually if I'm talking to high school wrestlers, I'll, t- I'll ask them if they're a fan of, uh, you know, pro wrestling, yep. and um, one of the coolest experiences, I'll say this, um, was a couple of years ago, uh, this was 2018, um, there was going to be a Northeast wrestling show at Dutchess Stadium, Okay. And uh, the headliner, the big guy they were bringing in was Rey Mysterio. And uh, the promoter, uh, he emailed me and he said, you know, uh, would you like to write a story about this? You know, just the show is going to be there. I can get you any wrestler you want to talk to who's going to be on the show. Um, so I found out that there is a local girl um, who's, who's going to be wrestling on the show who had already wrestled on Monday Night Raw. She had wrestled Asuka in uh, kind of like a squash match. But, okay. Um, uh, she was uh, she was local. She went to Lords and she lived around here. And he was like, "Oh, I'm interested in that. Like that would be an amazing story." So I I got her and I talked to her mother. Um, <laughs> nice. Um, it was kind of asking uh, like her mother, like you know, I mean, are you like scared for her? I mean, like she's you know she's your daughter. She's right. you know, getting slapped around by Oscar on Monday Night Raw. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, and uh, that was actually kind of the, the lead of the story. You know, I said, um, you know, I, I, like she was getting slapped around and beaten up and she loved it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, cause you know, she was, you know, she's a wrestler. She, you know, this is what they do. So um, I had asked him specifically, I was like, is there any way you can get Ray Mysterio for me on, on the phone? And he was like, yeah, I'll see what I can do. And I'm like, all right, probably not going to get him. So like I wrote the story, the story was basically ready to go. Um, I talked to her, I got my second source talking to her mom. And then um, I was kind of putting the finishing touches on it. I'm sitting at my desk and all of a sudden my desk phone rings and I look and it says Gutierrez comma Oscar. (laughs) And the uh, area code was 619 and like the number, I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) I pick up the phone. (laughs) I'm like, uh, Poughkeepsie Journal Sports, this is AJ speaking. AJ? (laughs) Yeah. Hey, man, it's Ray. I'm like, (laughs) oh, hi. (laughs) How are you? (laughs) That's fantastic. And and, uh, I just, like, I got to interview, like, Ray Mysterio called me at the office. And, uh, you know, I got to talk to Ray Mysterio. I did a whole interview with him. And, um, you know, uh, the last question I asked him, um, I said, you know, like, what's left for you? Because he hadn't come back to WWE yet. He was still on the indies. And like the last question I asked him, I said, like, what's left for you? I mean, you've done everything. You've been WWE champion, world champion. You've been at WrestleMania. 
you know, like what's left for you to accomplish? And he said, there's nothing left for me to accomplish, but right now, like I'm training my son to wrestle now. And I was like, your son's name's Dominic, right? Because I remembered, of course, the storyline, the yeah. storyline with Eddie Guerrero back in, you know, 2000 Of course. Or 2004, whenever that was. And he's like, yeah, Dominic, that's him. And so uh, I put that in my thing. And we ran the uh, the interview as just kind of a standalone. Yep. Uh, Phil Strum, our friend, ran it on um, his Under the Ring blog. But I used one of Ray's quotes in the story uh, on the girl that I wrote. Um, and I remember my coworker, Steven, like, it was so funny when I was done with Ray, I hung up the phone and like, I, I looked at Steven and I was like, that was Ray Mysterio on the phone. <laughs> and he just like, he just gets this like bewildered look on his face. He was like, oh crap. Crap was not the word he used, but I'll keep it PG. <laughs> and um, he was like, no, you got to put, put one of his quotes in that story. Because if that girl, like if she opens the paper and sees him quoted in there, yeah, like that's going to like that's gonna be the coolest thing for her and so i did i put one of his quotes in there um and uh, it was just it was it was crazy because then like a couple days later i found out that like that whole interview i did with ray mysterio made one of the dirt sheet websites oh my god like one of the dirt sheets was like aj martelli of the poughkeepsie journal interviewed ray mysterio and he's training his son right now dominic so that's awesome i was hey. like oh okay <laughs> my favorite parts of that story is that his uh real life zip code is actually 619 yeah that's yeah. wonderful i remember and another like the first thing i did like when he picked up i picked up a pen and i wrote down his number and i was like well i'm probably never going to talk to him again but i just want to have ray mysterio's number in my phone just, oh, so, just so you could say you had it of course yeah exactly <laughs> of course that's great oh man and you know you flash forward to uh fast forward to today and Dominic, not only is he training, but he's actually wrestling. He wrestled Seth Rollins at SummerSlam last year. And if I do say so, it, it, it was actually pretty good. Yeah, no, he's, he's, it's, it was funny because I thought of that when, when they first started bringing him in. Yeah. I was like, now he's got like a featured role on the, uh, on the show. That's kind of cool. Absolutely. Speaking of like featured role, speaking of featured roles on the show, are you watching these days? Like what's going on with the whole wrestling with AEW and WWE? Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely uh, still trying to keep up as much as I can. I mean, like there's so much going on that I like the retention is not like what it used to be. Like I, yeah. I'll watch, I'll watch Monday night raw, but then like maybe like three or four days later, I won't really remember what happened on it. I'm like, yep. well, I know that the big players, you know, obviously Drew McIntyre is a champion and Keith Lee's on there now. It's good to see him there. And, you know, Randy Orton and his whole feud with the fiend. I think they're doing some creative things there with Alexa bliss. And, yep. you know, like on Mon this past Monday night, um, you know, the fireball thing, it actually kind of reminded me of, um, I think 1997 they did something similar with paul bearer and the undertaker the undertaker like lit a fireball and yeah they've paul done bearer's it a couple face. times i i saw something on uh on twitter uh today i think it was kane and china and triple h from yeah. maybe maybe like 1999 or something mm -hmm. they've done it a few times but uh i don't know i i like the direction that they're going with the fiend and um randy orton and alexa and everything but there comes a point where it just gets too much, I think. And I feel like the fireball might've been that point. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm just curious to see, obviously I think they're going to wrestle at the rumble coming up in a few weeks, but like, I assume it's going to be cinematic, but I also feel like, you know, 
they've done too many cinematic matches already. And it hasn't even yeah. been a full year with this pandemic. So, and, and to be honest with you, I think I really only liked one of the cinematic matches. Yeah. The rest I, of them have been a little, a little odd to me. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I mean, I liked the, uh, the uh, boneyard match that they mm-hmm. did. I think that was probably the best one and it was a good kind of way for the undertaker to, you know, uh, kind of his swan song. It, yeah. really brought, it really brought everything in his career together. Cause he was kind of the American badass, but you still had like the hearse there and the casket and the Druids and the, you know, the symbol. And like, I think that was like a whole big encompassing thing of like everything in his career. And I thought it was well done, but you know, some of the other matches I'm with you. I mean, like the, the fire, the, the firefly fun house. Yeah. I didn't mind that one with Cena. I didn't mind that. That wasn't too bad, but like it was, it was the, a little bizarre though. It was, it was, but uh, they had some good callbacks that I liked. Uh, I don't know the money in the bank match. They did. They did one with uh, Bray and Strowman with the lake and uh, Oh yeah. 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 They've done a few of those and it, those ones just haven't really been up to par. Like I think, I think the boneyard match was so good that it was going to be hard to top that going forward and everything oh, else sure. after that was just been, yeah. been a little difficult to top. But, and I uh, think it was all, you know, those kind of type of matches, you got to look back to the thing that the Hardy boys did like back when I think when they were still in TNA, I think they were the ones who kind of, they were like the innovators of that, like Matt Hardy and the, yeah. the whole match at the compound. And like, those were done. I thought those were done again. I think they were a little bizarre, you know, but it got a lot of people talking. Absolutely. And that, you that's know, what you want to do is get people talking. And, you know, it's a shame that as far as maybe, maybe not in the fans eyes, but at least in WWE's eyes, it's a shame that they don't give Matt, the credit he deserves because like those matches were 2016 2018 like two two to four years before this pandemic where everybody was forced to do those matches mm-hmm. and like you said matt was just ahead of his time with that and that stuff was really really good oh absolutely and and i think you know the the new day i think tried to do that sort of thing and i remember there were a lot of comparisons and yes. like, oh, they ripped they ripped off matt hardy but then i think they wound up doing something together later and it was really crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think I think what you're talking about is the Wyatts wrestled New Day at that was it. Bray's compound. And um, like you said, it was kind of like the Hardy thing, but not as good. And then mm-hmm. Matt kind of got his redemption when he wrestled Bray uh, in the main event of Raw at the Hardy compound. Uh, so yeah, that was it. That was good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, you mentioned New Day. What do you think about Big E and the uh, Intercontinental title push that he's got? I think it's good. You know, um, he's always been a really capable guy. Um, you know, it's funny. I was just thinking uh, before we got on here, like, who do I want to see win the Rumble? And um, I don't know. I, I, I was thinking Big E would be a real good, uh, you know, contender for that, seeing the way they want to push him. But they just gave him the Intercontinental title. So I don't know if they're going to be, you know, making him the Rumble winner. But uh, I thought of Big E. I thought of Kofi. Uh, I know he's got a broken jaw right now. I, so I saw that. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be in the Rumble, which sucks because he, uh, he he's always good for the, the Kofi spot, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I would love to see, you know, I think it was amazing last year, or it's 20, yeah, 2019 now, mm-hmm. uh, him winning the, the title. Um, I just think it was – I really kind of think it was long overdue in a lot Absolutely. of ways. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I'd like to see him get back to that main event level and get back to, you know, being, a, you know, a, the champion again, because I think it was it was good when he was champion. Definitely. I, I really I was at that WrestleMania where he won and one of and 
I have a couple friends who are going to get on me for this, but it was one of the top five WrestleMania moments of all time. I don't care what anyone says. That was awesome. And I was so happy he won. It was long overdue and it was just a great feel good moment. And with feel good moments, we're talking about Kofi last week on SmackDown, Nakamura ran the gauntlet almost. And that was kind of how Kofi started before, uh, the chamber a couple years ago, he, you know, ran the gauntlet from, he started it and he went through the whole thing and he got himself in the chamber and that's where all his momentum started. I kind of feel like they have a chance for that to happen with Nakamura, but I don't think that's really their plan. So I think they have to really be careful with what they do with him over the next couple of weeks. I know there are no fans in attendance, but so it's going to make it a little easier, but I feel like, you know, the online support for Nakamura really could grow over the next couple of weeks and uh, throw a monkey wrench into their WrestleMania plans. Definitely. And, and I think, you know, Nakamura is definitely, a, if they're looking for candidates of guys to be pushing, I think he's definitely one of them because um, he's so talented. I think he's kind of gotten underscored a little bit the last year or so. Um, I, I am definitely, I've always been high on Nakamura. I think he's um, definitely championship material, but like you were saying, I don't know what the plans are. I mean, it seems like they're going with Drew McIntyre for the long haul. It seems like they're going with Roman as the head of the table for the long haul. So, I mean, that's why to me, like, when you mentioned, like, I don't know what the plan is. Like, why did they give the the briefcase back to the Miz? Like, yeah. I, I don't know where, I mean, he's not going to beat Roman Reigns. Not right now. No. And so, I, he's got until May, if they really stick with the year to cash it in. I hope they don't kind of say they're going to reset the clock just because he got it back uh, at the end of December or beginning of January. And like, they let him hold it until next December. I, I really think it should only be till May, but like, that's WrestleMania season. And what does he cash in at WrestleMania on McIntyre? Does he cash in before that and lose? Like there's just so many things they could do. And I don't really know which would be the best option right now. Yeah. I, 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 first I was kind of mad that Otis didn't uh, keep it. (laughs) Me (laughs) too. um, too. I really liked what they were doing with, uh, with Otis and and Mandy Rose, who's from Yorktown Heights. (laughs) Yep. Uh, So cool that she, uh, she was, I think, in school at Yorktown High School um, around the time my cousin was there. My cousin's a little bit older than her, but they were in school at the same time. That's cool. Um, and yeah, I was going to the the uh, Yorktown Heights campus of Mercy College, and like she was going, like in 2007, 2008, she was going to Yorktown High School right down the road. It was like funny. It's always it was almost funny. fate. <laughs> it's almost like it's so funny to me. I'm like, I don't know, like a future WWE superstar is literally literally right down the road. <laughs> absolutely for me and i think she's doing okay i liked uh you know the storylines that they were doing with her and uh sonia deville for a while mm-hmm. i i thought last year at the beginning of the year like the otis mandy sonia and dolph ziggler feud that was going on from pretty much you know january through wrestlemania was the best thing that they had on the show at the time with the exception of randy orton and edge but i really was enjoying otis and when he won the money in the bank i was like you know what there are no fans in the crowd they're in the performance center. This is the perfect time to just try something out of the box, like give him the yeah. title. Yeah. And, think uh, outside the box, you know? Yeah. Um, and why not? There's no, I mean, you got nothing to lose really. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned before, you know, you'll watch raw and then a couple of days later, you kind of won't remember it up until I started this podcast a few weeks ago. I barely watched raw. I, I really like, 
it's so hard to get through. I'm yeah. hoping that it changes with WrestleMania coming up, but it is really, it's been really, really bad. And part of it is the pandemic, but I think a big part of it is that they just don't know how to make stars anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, McIntyre is great. And I feel bad for the guy because he really, he's done an awesome job and he really, you know, deserves the spot that he's got. And I'm really, I like him as champion. It's just that the feuds go on too long. They don't bring back, they don't make new stars. And when they do do something that they think is great, it's Goldberg and nobody wants to see that. Right. What do you think about Goldberg? Do you think he's going to win at the rumble? Do you think, I mean, what are your thoughts? For for the sake of the, of the show, I hope not. Oh my god! You know, for the sake of Drew, I think Drew's come a long way. I think he I think he has to hold on to the title. Yeah. Longer. Um, I know that they. You know, it it always seems to me whenever they're kind of in the doldrums where they kind of feel like they're at a low point, their answer is to always just bring back a star from the past. Yeah. You know, like they just have these uh, these legend shows. Uh, and they just bring back all these guys. And I don't, I like seeing the legends. Like it's cool when you get to see all the legends that come out and they're on the stage and they're in these, these, um, you know, these segments backstage and they, they involve them in the show. They incorporate them in some way, but it just seems like those shows, everything, they're just trying to rush through everything. Yep. You know, it's like, okay, we got to get this guy into a segment. We got to get this girl into a segment. We got to get, and it just turns into madness. And, you know, I think they have to come up with a better answer going back to just them always bringing back a, an old star when they're in the doldrums, you know, they have to figure out another answer for that. Either launch a guy, you know, propel a guy who's kind of in the middle of the card and get them elevated or just try something new. Think outside the box. Like you were saying. Definitely. It's crazy because you sit there and you think, in 15 years who are they going to bring back like triple h and Shawn michaels are going to be like rick flair's age now and to me i think i think it's time to get rick off tv yes you know i i for for me like rick flair even being there it's not safe when there's covid going around is not and he's had health problems like you wouldn't believe i mean i couldn't believe monday they announced drew mcintyre had covid and you know sidebar hopefully everything works out with him and it he doesn't really suffer from anything too seriously and he's back for the royal rumble and you know he's healthy and that's the most important thing but on the day they announced that mcintyre has covid rick flair comes strutting out on raw and he was there last week so i'm sitting here thinking you know you just had drew in the ring with goldberg who is north of 50 years old which is a high risk group Mm -hmm. despite the i mean he's in great shape but still he's an older guy Mm-hmm. And you got Flair, who was there backstage. And then if you think about it, Drew did a promo last week with Hogan right next to him. So it's just like, I, I just don't see the logic bringing, especially during these times, bringing these guys in and putting everybody's health at risk. Oh, no doubt. And I've, you know, just being being a journalist, being a sports journalist during this pandemic, I mean, I've seen so many things, you know, we've had, you know, our high school season right now is... Uh, you know, they're not letting them play basketball right now because of the risk colleges are playing. um, And mainly because uh, colleges are mainly playing college basketball and, you know, before college football just ended on Monday with the championship game, but Mm -hmm. it's big business. That's why that they're allowed to keep going through with, with these pros and and the division one college games, because, Hey, you know, like, like Vince McMahon once said, 
It's all about the money. money. You're ab- you're absolutely right. Um, you know, that's why it's like MLB, you know, I know that they shortened their season, but they were able to play on yeah. because, you know, they have TV deals that they have to honor and football, the NFL, they have TV deals that they have to honor. They don't have yep. to let fans into the stadium, but they, they They're have still making their money. Exactly. And they still have to have uh, games on TV and, you know, specifically in college it's it's you know they're still kids well to us really i mean they're still young adults i mean yeah between the ages of 18 and 22 but you know we saw a few weeks ago uh a college player college basketball player on florida uh you know he collapsed yeah uh, on on, in the middle of the of the floor is he still in the hospital um, I think he might be out. I okay. actually haven't, but you know, that was related to COVID. He yeah. had COVID and it was a heart problem. I did a whole story about how they're finding these, uh, uh cardiac abnormalities yep. in COVID patients. And I, you know, I, I talked to a heart doctor for it and he said, you know, they're only just beginning to learn yeah. what's happening, uh, as far as, um, you know, what the long-term repercussions are of it and actually i just talked to an athletic trainer today a college athletic trainer for uh, a story another story i'm working on and he said the same thing he's like you know we don't know long term what these effects are going to be so even people who have have it or have had it you know who are young and otherwise healthy yeah you might not be out of the woods with it so it's crazy and i mean they're in the process of getting the vaccines out now and that's great and i really hope you know they get out mass produced and mass mass distributed soon just so you know we can go about living our lives and everybody's healthy and safe and you know much less importantly we can all get back to wrestling events again because uh that's (laughs) that's gonna be the best i mean i said it before the first live packed stadium show with adam cole baby it's gonna be unbelievable (laughs) and the same with aew and jericho and judas Oh yeah. When they fill, I I can picture the whole, uh, AEW crowd just singing, um, Judas in my mind. (laughs) Yep. I'm telling you, man, eventually we're going to get to a point where AEW runs a show at Jaguar stadium. I don't know what it's called, but the big football stadium in Jacksonville with 70,000 fans and they're all going to be singing Judas. And it's going to be one of the greatest sites in history of wrestling. And I can't wait. I'm so over this pandemic, I'm still being safe. I'm still wearing my mask and doing everything, but I just, I'm ready to get back to life and back to wrestling shows. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've all been affected in some way or another. So it's going to be great when, I mean, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, like you were saying, there's vaccines coming and hopefully, uh, you know, middle of the year we'll all be, you know, everything will be back to normal or semi-normal at least if that's the case SummerSlam really will be the biggest party of the summer this year (laughs) (laughs) that's for sure oh man great you were telling me before we got on here that you watched uh nxt on wednesday Mm -hmm. i I do know uh you're a big finn balor fan oh yeah he's the current nxt champion and um last night there wednesday night they teased that uh you know, he either may be joining Undisputed Era or he's going to be feuding with them or he's feuding with Pete Dunne. I don't really know where it's going, but I love all of it. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts? I just, you know, NXT is my favorite show. I think that's on right now. I, I do think I, I also try and keep up as much as I can with the NXT UK brand. I think they are very, very underrated. Um, I don't think um, 
enough people really appreciate, at least in a, a, like the fans that I see. Like, I think in the UK, they might, it might be a different story over there. You know, like, I don't know how it is in, in, in the Great Britain or the yeah. UK, but, um, you know, I think that brand is really underscored, but going back to, to NXT America, so to speak. Yeah. I think that's my favorite brand, you know, like I love the stars down there. I love uh, just what they've done with Adam Cole and, you know, Finn Balor coming back there, I think really kind of rejuvenated yes. his career. I think it was the best thing for him because I don't think, I, I really think he was kind of getting creatively stifled when he was on Raw. Like Absolutely. They kept putting the they kept putting the Intercontinental title on him and then taking it off of him. And, you know, he was kind of going nowhere with his feud with Bobby Lashley. I mean, he had a good match. He got a good match with Brock Lesnar out of it. But um, I was I was just always disappointed, you know, like he won the, he was the first ever Universal Champion. And then, you know, they had to take it right off him because he injured his shoulder in that match yes. with, Seth, with Seth Rollins. And, you know, he never really got his shot when he came back. Like they never really just, you know, gave him like, he should have been the first in line when he came back. Yeah. He never, he never lost it. hundred percent. Um, so I think, but going back to NXT, I think that was like perfect for him. And I think he's really helping carry the brand with some of the other people they got there. I think Karrion Cross, Damian Priest, they're all interesting characters, um, who have great matches. I think, um, they're kind of on both brands on the UK brand and on, uh, the, other NXT brand, but yep. uh, you know, Imperium is, uh, I like Marcel Bartel and mm -hmm. Fabian Eichner. Um, there, there's just so much talent down there. It's just fun to watch. I think somebody once described it like Raw and SmackDown, they're the movies. They're like, you go to the movies and watch a movie. That's Raw and SmackDown. NXT is a Broadway show. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I like that like, analogy. Like I forget who said that, but um, it's such a perfect analogy. Like I, I really, and I'm, I'm, I am, a guy who can appreciate a Broadway show. So okay, <laughs> <laughs> NXT is uh, is just awesome. I love it. Yeah, I, I I kind of feel the opposite. I feel like NXT has gone down in 2020 last year. Um, no fault of the talent. I don't know what it is. I, not, not even any fault of the creative or anything. I just think that they're really hurting against AEW on Wednesdays because. Yeah, well, I think, I think AEW is, you know, it's probably the better show right now. Yeah. Um, I think it's uh, there's more people watching it. I think there's more of an interest. I think there's the right mixture on AEW of the veterans and the, the newcomers. Cause you got guys like, you know, Jericho who's there, but then you got somebody like uh, MJF who's really yeah. good. And, you know, there's Taz and JR, but then there's also like, you know, all these other like Excalibur, you know, like yep. on commentary and yep. there's just, you know, Darby Allen and all these other guys, um, Omega, you know, there's exciting guys. I always thought uh, Pac or Neville was mm -hmm. talent, was super talented and WWE made a mistake getting rid of him. Absolutely. Um, so it's good to see that he has a landing spot there and he's doing real well. For sure. So, and, I, and Dean Ambrose too. I mean, I guess he's, I mean, I was never an Ambrose fan, to be honest with you. I was never really a fan of, of among the three, among the three of Rollins, Ambrose and Reigns. I was always more of like, I like Roman Reigns the best. Yeah. Like, and I think, you know, everybody hates him. I still like him, but, and I think they're doing, I love him now. Yeah. I mean, he's, I think, he's wonderful. <laughs> I, I don't understand why everybody, I mean, I was at the Royal Rumble in, in 2015 when he won and the place just, you know, rain down booze on the guy. Yeah. I was like, what is everyone's problem? A year ago, this is what we wanted. We didn't yep. get it. We wanted Roman to win a year ago, but so I never really understood the, the, the because anger. the machine was behind him in 2015 and it's yeah. not what everybody wanted. Right. We, wa we wanted Daniel Bryan in 2015. That's, that's correct. Yeah. They wanted to see Daniel Bryan do it, but, um, 
you know, I, I've always, I've always been a Roman Reigns guy, like, you know, fan. I never really hated the guy. I never really, you know, saw any anger, you know? Yeah. I, my favorite show right now out of uh, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and AEW, I'd even throw in there, SmackDown. I love SmackDown. Every week, I enjoy it, and mostly is because of Roman and the head of the table stuff that he's doing right now. Um, it's wonderful. It's great, and it's my favorite show. But as far as the Wednesdays go, NXT just can't keep me interested compared to AEW. Like, I, I think it's definitely – it is different because, like, Balor is there now, but if you mm-hmm. look like – you know, five or six years ago, it was Balor, it was Samoa Joe, it was Austin Aries. You know, they had a really great women's division in there Nakamura, too. Like, Nakamura, Sasha Banks, Charlotte, Sasha Banks, Bailey, Char- Becky. Yep. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was loaded, loaded yeah. with Owen Zane. Like it revival. was incredible. Yeah, it's insane how time changes, and you know, mm-hmm. Sami Zayn literally got pinned in seconds on SmackDown in that gauntlet yeah. match. Which, and I've always, I've always been a Sami Zayn fan too. Yeah. I always thought he was very entertaining and he's awesome too. He's awesome too. I just, I, I don't like that. They pinned him in seconds. Like, yeah, just... I know he was, he, he had the, a good run with the, with the IC title. What I also think was kind of interesting. Um, I don't know if it was fate or what, if there was some kind of divine intervention or something working, but you know, he was the intercontinental champion. He's from Montreal when Pat Patterson passed away Yes. Pat Patterson was, you know, a Montreal guy. I think he knew Sami Zayn pretty well. I think so too. Um, so I, I don't know. I thought that was just very, um, I don't know, poetically just maybe that he was the intercontinental champion when Pat Patterson passed away. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I didn't even think about that connection there, but it was, yeah, you're right. Um, NXT the other night on Wednesday, we had Darby Allen, who you mentioned earlier, face Brian Cage, uh, it was booked perfectly. I don't know if you had a chance to see that match. Um, I, I think I saw pieces of that match. Cause All usually right. on, on Wednesdays, what I try to do is I try to switch flip back and forth between yep. NXT and AEW. So I'm not missing anything, yep. but then I usually wind up watching more NXT than I do AEW. It's so <laughs> it, it's so weird. It's funny. Probably whenever they went head to head, which was, I want to say October 2nd, 2019 uh, that night I had a friend come over and he was like, oh, we have to watch AEW. And I'm like, oh, NXT, NXT. And we fast forward to now, and I'm like, AEW, AEW. And <laughs> I had AEW on the big screen on Wednesday. I had NXT on the laptop muted. And uh, I was trying to pay attention to both. But AEW, like I said before, just was what kept my attention. And their main event was uh, Darby Allen and Brian Cage for the TNT mm-hmm. title. Yep. They are, I don't, if you were to take two wrestlers, and make them complete opposites it would be these two like there's i can't name two other wrestlers who are more opposite than these two and the match was booked perfectly cage just dominated them throughout the whole match and darby wound up winning um after a top rope spot uh sting came out at one point and uh distracted cage and uh, it was it was a good main event i really liked it uh darby's a star um he gets compared Mm -hmm. to jeff hardy a lot and I know a lot of people compare them, but that's the perfect comparison. Um, my buddy was texting me today and he, he made it a point. He loves Darby, but he was saying how he thinks uh, he's scared that Darby's going to break his neck or something because of all the bumps that he takes. And yeah. it's, it's scary, man. Yeah. I mean, just saying you're comparing him to Jeff Hardy. I mean, I sometimes am 
I'm astonished that Jeff Hardy's not crippled. Yeah. Like the high spots he's done jumping off the Titan Tron and, you know, that Swanton bomb, every event in the business. Uh, I can't imagine that does wonders for your spine. Yeah. I I was saying to my friend too, I said, you know, between Jeff and Rey Mysterio, I'm surprised they're still wrestling. And maybe everybody who says, you know, Darby Allen is, you know, going to hurt himself, going to break his neck or something. Maybe he'll have a career like Jeff and Ray and still be doing it at 45, 50 years old. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. And like, I'm surprised. Like, I mean, Ric Flair was never like a top, like a high spots guy, but like he was still wrestling at like 54, 55, whatever. He went well into his 50s. I couldn't. Sometimes I'm just like, man, how did he get, you know, how did he, the longevity, like, how did he just keep his body up and able to do that? But exactly. It's, it's insane insane yeah we could talk about you know this past week in wrestling you know all all night but let's move on i got some fan questions here for us some listener questions we got three of them here um the first one and these actually uh one of them has to do with current wrestling and the others are just uh fan questions that people want to know i guess (laughs) the first one comes from somebody by the name of press from instagram uh he wants to know which one is better, the Attitude Era or Ruthless Aggression? Uh, for for me, I'd probably say the Attitude Era. I think that was, you know, I like I was saying before, I got started to become a fan in 1996, which was kind of the end. It was it was kind of a weird period right there because it was it was like at the end of like the Hogan Warrior Savage years, like the Golden Era, but it was also you know, before the Attitude Era, it was kind of in that new generation, you know, like the, they were trying to make the new generation stars like Brett and Sean and, and uh, you know, those guys, Diesel, Razor, Ramon. Yep. Um, but, you know, I really kind of like hit the meat of my fandom during the Attitude Era. And it was, you know, 1997, 1998, I can tell you one of the most fun shows as an 11 year old boy that I went to was SummerSlam 1998, the highway to hell at Madison Square Garden. That's a great one um, to be at. That, that was just a, a an amazing show. And it was one of the most like fun times, you know, my dad and my uncle and my cousin, we all went we're all huge wrestling fans. And it was so cool. Cause I knew I was going to that show. Like at my summer camp, I kept telling all my friends, like I'm going to SummerSlam this year at the garden. I felt like the, like the coolest kid at camp or at least the envy of a lot of the wrestling fans at camp because I was going to that. But um, so I would say the Attitude Era. I mean, I do think the Ruthless Aggression Era had its, uh, you know, it had its great moments. I mean, like I was in high school. We were, you know, we were, I think we were both in high school around the time the Ruthless Aggression Era really hit its stride. And, you know, Cena really, uh, you know, made it for me. I think he was the biggest player and the most popular and the guy that I really liked during that time period. And there were other guys too, though. I mean, Kurt Angle, Edge, Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero. Um, They did, Brock Lesnar. You know, they did a lot of great things during the Ruthless Aggression era. But I would say Attitude Era for me is, for me personally, is probably the the, the better era. Like, it was, there was so much excitement. Like, you you were looking forward to watching Monday Night Raw. I'd get out of school, uh, you know, on a Monday and on those, you know, 1997 1998 1999 and it's just like you get on the bus and you're not even really thinking about your homework you're not thinking about you know what you're going to eat when you get home or anything you're thinking about what's going to happen tonight on monday night raw what is stone cold steve austin going to do what crazy thing is he going to do with vince what car is he going to destroy (laughs) 
what car is he going to destroy? What's DX going to do this? How many times are they going to tell people to suck it tonight? Yep. What kind of lewd, crazy thing that, you know, as, as a young person is, you know, I'm not going to understand what Val Venus is saying, but I'm sure it's <laughs> like, you know, looking back, it was probably sick and disgusting, but funny. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, you look forward to it. I think, you know, growing up, Attitude Era would be my pick. Yeah, I agree with you. I, uh, from like, like my teenage years were, the ruthless aggression years so i hold those times and those uh moments and those shows and everything close to my heart because that was when i really started going to like the shows like by myself without my parents and stuff and i really yeah. uh i enjoyed those um and like you said cena orton hell of a class there in 2002 with cena orton uh lesnar batista and shelton like it was just good times but uh you're right the attitude era really uh, like you said i was six seven eight nine ten eleven years old I had no clue what they were talking about. I knew yeah. when Stone Cold gave somebody the middle finger, it wasn't good, but <laughs> it was entertaining as hell. And I loved it. Oh my God. I, I'll tell it just a real quick story. The night after um, King of the Ring 98, which was an amazing, you know, you look at, you know, Foley going off the cage and, you know, that was one of the most iconic moments, not only of the Attitude Era, but just wrestling in general, the shot of him flying off the top of that cell is gonna forever be played back you know yeah. generations like long after we're gone that, yep. that clip is gonna be played forever uh but stone cold lost the title that night to kane in the first blood match and the next day i was having a fight with my sister or something and i did i, I did the dx crotch chop and i told her to suck it oh my and god my, to your sister <laughs> and my mother got so mad she's like no i don't let you watch wrestling so you can say things like that you're not watching monday night raw tonight and i got oh, you know no. i got punished for that so my older sister i said this to my younger sister because i was fighting with her but my older sister thought this was you know bullcrap she was like you shouldn't be punished she was antagonizing you first you you know you shouldn't have been punished like, here's what we're going to do. She's like, I'm going to watch Monday Night Raw for you. Oh, man. And I'll tell you what happens right after it ends. I'll come into your room and I'll tell you everything that went down. And I'm That's like, a good sister. Yes. She was doing uh, the Lord's work for me. So <laughs> I knew going in, like, I knew that Austin was getting a rematch that night. So I was like, uh, like, that was the one I was like most, like, I was really like looking yeah. forward to that match. Like I wanted to know what happened yep. there. And my sister actually wrote down the results on a piece of paper. Wow. Came into my room at like 11 o'clock or 11.05 or whenever it ended. And she's rolling through the results. She's like, oh, this guy lost in a brawl for all match. And then <laughs> Taka Michinoku like beat, <laughs> beat this guy. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. She's like, and Austin's the new champ. And I was like, yes. All right. <laughs> I remember like marked out there like that Austin had, had, you know, regained the title after he, 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 uh, he had lost it to Kane the night before. So that's there, awesome. there, that, there's, there's a little funny attitude era story for you. That's awesome. And that's a good sister right there. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's always been on my side. Always had, you know, been in there my you, corner. So there you go. Uh, our next question here kind of piggybacks off that. It's also from Instagram, uh, from Jose Enoa. He wants to know the most overstar in each era, attitude era, ruthless aggression era, and the PG era. Um, I'll give my three and then you could give your three. I think uh, obviously the attitude era it was Stone Cold Steve Austin, without a doubt. There was nobody bigger than him. Uh, ruthless aggression, I would say John Cena. Um, Kurt Angle was big at the time as well, but uh, I, I count ruthless aggression from 02 to probably like 07, I'd say. Mm -hmm. um, 
And in that time, it was Cena, uh, maybe Lesnar. But Lesnar, you could argue Lesnar only had two two to three years there uh, at that time because he left for the NFL. Uh, and then in the PG era, again, John Cena. There's nobody bigger than him at the time. Cena's on my Mount Rushmore of wrestlers. And, you know, he those two eras just defined him. Oh, oh, definitely. Yeah. And I, I think I would agree. Did he say the golden era too? No, he just said attitude, uh, ruthless and PG, but hell we'll do the golden era too. Who do you think for the golden era? I, I think it's, it's gotta be Hogan probably. Yeah. I mean, he was, uh, you know, he kind of, I mean, you look back and was he the greatest like technician? Was he like Bret Hart or, you know, no, but you know, the, the, he was the comic book character come yeah. to life sort of guy. I don't agree with, you know, I mean, obviously he's gotten into trouble several times in the past, you know, you ain't kidding. He, you know, not, not only with things he's, he's said, but things is, you know, like you look at his, his, uh, you know, his son getting into that accident and, you know, I know I get that people make mistakes and everything, but you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I've always had like, you know, I've Hogan in the ring and everything he's done for the business. Yeah. But you know, he's, you know, there's always kind of that asterisk next to him. Yeah. You know that, but like, you're right kinda, though. In in the golden era, it was it was Hogan. There was no way around it. It was he was the top guy, and that's that's a fact, really. Yep. And, uh, and while uh, we're I on would... it, we're just missing the new generation era at this point. <laughs> so I'm gonna just go out and say Shawn Michaels. All right, I'll I'll go Bret Hart just just for uh, you know for the sake of mixing it up because my picks are the same as yours for the other okay. eras. It would be Cena and Stone Cold. You know, yeah. I think both of those guys for the for the PG. Uh, and or, and the ruthless aggression and the attitude era, um, respectively. I think they're. I think those were the guys. I agree with you. And those would be my guys too. And uh, going back, you know, I think um, I think uh, Cena being on the Mount Rushmore. I think that's absolutely fair. You know, like he he was like the Hulk Hogan of his time. Yeah. You know, when you really think about it, I mean, like, and it, I think it's pretty cool. You know, when we're thinking about Cena, he was a heel. Um, up until like November of 03, that's when he started getting over as a, yep. as a face. And we were really, I don't know, I think you were at this show. It was November of 03. There was a show at the Civic Center in Poughkeepsie. And that was really like his first, you know, I think that that week on SmackDown, he had been cheered. And that yeah. was when it was really like he was picking up steam. But like at that show, my God, like, he was he came out and he was like he was a good guy like everybody cheered yep. for him and that was like i feel like his first house show as a real face yeah you know it, like when he came out definitely and uh funny story about that show i was there with my buddy mike and uh we, he actually met cena afterwards oh after we, the show we ran around back and um i took the picture for him i don't know why i didn't give him the camera and ask you know <laughs> him to take my picture with him but uh he still has that picture and i i even might think that might even be like his twitter picture or something or it was for uh, up until a couple months ago the, the, that's like his favorite picture and it was cool to be able to meet cena back then before he became the big star that he is now um our final question here is a long one so it's uh just bear with me here it comes from christy lee ivy on instagram uh her question is with what happened at TLC between The Fiend and Randy Orton, what new character of Bray Wyatt are we going to see? Biblically, fire means purification. Are we going to see an entirely new character come from the idea of purification or see an angelic sort of Bray in which he is purified or, as his gloves say, healed? And if so, what role is Alexa Bliss going to play? 
that was a mouthful and there that was a <laughs> complicated <laughs> question it was but uh that's a good question yeah definitely um the people want to talk about the fiend uh last week i had a question about him this week we have a question about him we talked about him earlier i think that he's just going to come back as the fiend i really don't think there's going to be another layer to the character at this point in time um mm-hmm. i think we're going to get I, I honestly i think we're going to get a firefly funhouse match at the royal rumble with randy orton where they go through his whole career kind of like they did with cena at wrestlemania and knowing wwe um how i do i've watched for 25 almost 30 years I don't think anything's going to change. <laughs> I don't have much faith in them doing something good with this. I think that Bray is just going to come back as the regular fiend that he was at TLC when he got burned. Yeah, I, I could see it happening. I could also see like if, if they go that route and they do the Firefly Funhouse, I could see um, them doing like a little sketch with like, you know, remember when Randy used to do those like RNN, like the Randy News Network updates? That would be fantastic. Like, I, I could see Bray like doing something like, you know, like that kind of like, you know. They've got to mention the sexy flight attendant Sherry from Survivor Series 02. <laughs> yes. But, you know, I, I, I think you're right. I mean, you know, how many, I mean, they, they've reinvented the Bray Wyatt character a few times. He was the eater of worlds. And then he's just, you know, regular Mr. Rogers kind of like Bray yep. Wyatt. I think that's what he's supposed to be. And then the fiend. Um, it's, yeah, I think stick it with, you know, stick with three. It's kind of like the three faces of Foley, you know, definitely. Um, you know, just, I, I don't think adding another different type of character would, uh, I don't know if it would add anything to it, you know, it would just be another persona that, you know, is just kind of there. And I think he has enough to work with right now. I think he has those three personalities that we see. And, you know, I don't, I, I don't think they're, you know, making a change like that is uh, necessary. I agree. I agree. All right, AJ, it's time for some rapid fire questions. Um, I'm just going to throw out a couple questions. Just first thing that comes to your mind, uh, throw it out there and we'll have some fun. All right. Sounds good. All right. Favorite wrestler is a kid. Shawn Michaels favorite wrestler now finn balor favorite pay-per-view uh like historically or just like the, the whatever you want first one that comes to mind uh royal rumble um i thought like i didn't know if you meant like favorite like s- specific pay-per-view of all time like i was saying survivor series 96 is really the one show yeah. that i have an affinity for but like if you're just talking like favorite pay-per-view of the like of the calendar year yeah it'd probably be royal rumble I agree. I agree. Uh, Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels? Ooh, ouch. Uh, it's so hard to pick, but I, you know, I, I'd have probably have to go with Shawn just because, you know, like I said, when I got into it, he was the guy I was told to root for. Awesome. Favorite wrestling theme? Ooh, um, there have been so many that have been so good. Um, uh, Man, that's that's a tough one being put on the spot right there. I I think uh, you know Edge's theme of uh, Metalingus. That's yep. like a song. That's like a real song, like that you know from a band that I actually like, which is Alter Bridge. Yeah. Um, that's just a song that like that's on like their regular album, and like you could just you know play that. And I, I think that that one might be. I mean, there's probably a ton more I could name, but that's like the first one that pops up. That's like I could jam cool. to that even if I'm not yeah. thinking about wrestling. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, most underrated wrestler of all time. Ooh, 
Owen Hart. I like that. I like that. Uh, two more here. The 2021 Men's Royal Rumble winner. Uh, Keith Lee. The 2021 Women's Royal Rumble winner. I'm going to say Carmella, but I kind of want it to be somebody new. I'd like to see Dakota Kai come up and, and, and do it. I'm like, kind of liking what she's doing on NXT. I'd really okay. like her to, to come through the ranks. And, you know, I like what they're doing with her and, and Raquel Gonzalez. And yeah, I, I, I really know, I just, a big I fan. Just, it's kind of, go ahead. I just kind of have a, uh, kind of, kind of just have a, 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 I just like her. I just think she's a good character. Like they made her kind of into a badass kind of character. Yeah. And, She's, she's done well. I, I, I'm high on Dakota Kai. Definitely. I, uh, you mentioned Raquel Gonzalez. I like her. Um, her match with Rhea Ripley last week on NXT, the street fight that they had. Really good stuff. And uh, those are good picks. Oh, yeah, it was Rumble. a lot of fun. Yep. Definitely. Those yeah, are good I mean, I, mean I, I could see Shayna Baszler doing it. I mean, there's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of people I could, uh, you know, a lot of women I could see. I could see winning, but, you know. I, I maybe say Carmella because they're trying to push her a little bit, but you know, I'd like to see Dakota Kai do it. Awesome. Awesome. All right, guys, it's time for the weekly top 10 list every week. I'll ask my guests to give their top 10 list designed and catered specifically to them. This week we've got AJ with us. And since he's the king of impressions and quotes, AJ is going to give us his top 10 list of wrestling quotes and catchphrases. AJ, you'll get bonus points if you do it in the voice. <laughs> All right. Well, so let me see. My number 10 would be say hello to the bad guy. Chico, it's Razor Ramon. I always <laughs> loved Razor's uh, promos. He was always just great. Uh, that'd probably be my number 10 uh kurt angle oh it's true it's damn true i won the olympics with a broken freaking neck <laughs> I, I don't do kurt that well i mean i, I, I that was good I, though. I really, it was all right i mean i realize that some of these impressions sound nothing like you know i i do i do some people a little better than i do others you know um i like it keep going number number eight number eight would be yes 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 that was the biggest my God, Daniel Bryan. Uh, I'm, I'm still very, you know, very high on Daniel Bryan. Always have been. When he got over with the Yes Movement, that was just one of the, probably one of the best things. I mean, uh, you know, I, I always loved Daniel Bryan. So that was eight. I'd say, who did I have for seven? Okay, seven. Oh, yeah, Macho Randy Savage. Oh, yeah. Hogan, you're going to be going down. Savage <laughs> is easier to do than probably most other people. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I, th I think he's... <laughs> All right, so that was seven? Seven, number six. Number six. Kane, <laughs> I will marry you. Rest. Even. <laughs> Key. <laughs> Undertaker always has a spot on my list. He, I think, is somebody you could argue. We were talking about uh, uh, best star of the new generation. I think yeah. he's you could argue for that. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> all right. So that was, I'm losing track. Seven, seven. That was six. That was Number six. five. Number five. Woo, woo, woo. You know it. 
We met that man. I mean, Zach Ryder, we met that man on the Mass Turnpike. That is yes, uh, we did. an incredible story on our way to Survivor Series 2013. The, the short version of the story is we pulled off to a rest stop. Zach Ryder was in the bathroom. I almost followed him into the bathroom, but I didn't. We, we later followed him into, into the deli in the rest stop on the, on the mass pike, and uh, he took pictures with us, and that was a lot of fun. Great times, great so, times. So, Zach, always one of my favorite uh, people there. Uh, number, number five? Uh, I think that was number five. Right? Okay, so number four. Uh, number four. <gasps> Woo! The man! The man! You know how to beat the man! Woo! I think it was the most, uh, really the most simple, uh, you know, catchphrase in all of wrestling. Absolutely. But it, but it made the most sense. To be the champ, you got to beat the yeah. champ. To be the best, you got to beat the best. Rick had it. Rick had it right from the without beginning. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Rick. Rick had. He had it right. And that would be four. Uh, so number three, I just have to go. Well, enough is enough, and it's time for a change. <laughs> now I understand Jason's sensation did Owen a little better than me, but you know, I tried to be a tough guy, but I just couldn't grow my damn beard in. <laughs> and I always loved when Jason's sensation did Owen Hart with that segment of uh, DX playing the nation. Uh, one of the best, uh, probably, if not the best. Um, I'm crying. <laughs> probably if not one of the best segments in the history of the attitude era in Monday Night Raw but oh yeah but enough is enough and it's time for a change <laughs> and then you know piggybacking off that number two would be well I am the best there is the best there was and the best there ever will be and I have the World Wrestling Federation Championship belt you know the fact of the matter is nobody can beat the hit man and I know it <laughs> and uh, yeah, all of Bret Hart stuff, you know, I love Bret, you know, so. And then number one, of course, would have to be, we welcome you live to Monday Night Raw. Jim Ross here alongside Jerry, the King Lawler. I'll tell you right now, King, we got an amazing broadcast for you tonight. <laughs> JR, uh, the voice of, of, JR is not only the voice of Monday Night Raw, he's the voice of wrestling in general. And uh, I think you got to quote JR if you're quoting anything in wrestling. So, absolutely, absolutely. AJ, this was a hell of a time. This is awesome. And that was the perfect way to go out on. We got to do this again one day, man. Yeah, have me back uh, anytime. We'll work it out with my schedule. And, and uh, yeah, I'd be happy to come on anytime, talk wrestling. It's fun. Awesome, man. I love it. Before you get out of here, though, um, do you want to plug anything? You want to plug any social media, anything you have coming up or anything? Sure. I mean, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at AJ underscore Martelli. I have a little blue check mark on Twitter. That's how you know it's me. Verify. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we were uh, lucky to get that uh, done for us on uh, on Twitter, all the journalists at the journal. You can find me at PoughkeepsieJournal.com. Uh, read all my stories there. Um, and yeah, that's. I have Instagram. I don't. Uh, I haven't used it lately as much as I used to, but it's just AJ underscore Martelli. I use that mostly for just personal stuff and, you know, funny videos and pictures and nothing really in particular, but you can follow me on there too, if you want. Awesome. Awesome. There's only one way to sign us off here of tables, ladders, and chairs, the podcast. JR, take us home, baby. 
Well, this was a damn good podcast. I had a lot of fun tonight, King. And you better listen to TLC Tables, Ladders, and Chairs. I'll tell you right now, it's the best damn podcast on the internet right now. You got to go watch it. You got to listen. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. This is great. <laughs> All right. All right. Awesome Take care, time. pal. All right. All right, guys, how great was that? AJ was absolutely hilarious. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. This was awesome. Guys, don't forget to follow AJ on Twitter. And while you're at it, follow us at TLChairsPod uh, on Twitter. Also at BrianChair7 on Twitter. We're also on Instagram. We just started that this week at TLChairsPod. Search us on YouTube. Again, Tables, Ladders, and Chairs, the podcast. We're all over the place. Um, thank you so much for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. Drop a review on Apple Podcasts. We're available Apple, Spotify, wherever you get, wherever you get your podcasts. So thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next Friday.